building a product is so cheap these days that you know if you have some a little bit of funding a little bit of money on the side you don't even need to take all those millions that are available to you and you can have that no. freedom of building your business independently and the way you like welcome to two-sided the marketplace podcast brought to you by share tribe Hi, I'm Stuart, CMO at ShareTribe, and I am your host. Today, or this episode, I am joined by Emmanuel Natoff from Readsy, which is a marketplace for book self-publishing services, such as editors, designers, marketers. A very cool story and a very cool niche, in my opinion. I, I like to read, and we also self-published our own book, The Lean Marketplace, and I could have definitely used some centralized help there. By the way, you can check out our book at theleanmarketplace.com. It's a great book if you're building a marketplace, if I say so myself, and you can use it, you know, without having to ever use ShareTribe. Although, of course, we recommend that. Again, this episode was recorded in August 2021. And so if there are dates or other time-based references, they might be a bit outdated. I don't think there are in this case, actually, but I'm just putting this in just in case. We cover some really useful topics for many of you. How Reachy got started without any experience in their industry. How they found out content and SEO to be their best channel how they doubled down on those with some really cool tactics, I think. Like they really figured out what does their audience need and then build tools for that. And related to that, how they have built a community and what they offer the community and what Ritzy gets out of the community. And what I personally think was super interesting was Emmanuel's answer to my very last question about what advice he would have for beginning marketplace entrepreneurs. Emmanuel shares there actually how they turned down a series A round and then continues to share some really interesting, refreshing perspectives on funding your company, which really resonated with me and how we do things at ShareTribe. So, you know, don't quit this one halfway, I'd say. Having said that, let's get going. I hope you enjoyed this one. As always, if you have any feedback, you can tweet at us at ShareTribe and I'll read it and reply. Or you can email me directly at short at ShareTribe.com. That is S-J-O-E-R-D at ShareTribe.com. All right, please enjoy my conversation with Emmanuel Nataf from Reedsea. Hey, Emmanuel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to come on. I really liked uh, Ritzy's idea. But before we really, you know, transport into the all the marketplace specific for Ritzy, can you tell us a little bit about who is Emmanuel and what did you do before you started Ritzy? Yeah, so before I started Ritzy, I was actually at school. I was terribly bored in a in a business school. Basically, extremely interested in startups and tech and kind of like trying to develop different ideas and then, you know, as soon as I had something that felt interesting, actually, you know, we went to see investors, left school. And so essentially, Reedsy is pretty much the only thing I've really done from a business perspective, from a okay. work perspective. Uh, so, yeah, so in a way, like, uh, I don't have, I didn't have much of a background, which didn't help, you know, with credibility in the beginning. But, you know, you know, sometimes you just, just find out about an industry, you dig in and you, you have ideas. And yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Obviously, yeah. So it was you and uh, three other people, correct? 
yeah, we're four co-founders. Uh, there's three French dudes uh, and one Brit. So yeah, when we started the company, we initially moved all together basically to London, uh, where our first investors were based. And slowly as we developed, the company became fully remote. So now we're a fully distributed company. With, we're about 40 people based a bit everywhere. Yeah. And so you were in business school and the other three, do any of them had already history with the publishing industry? None of us. I think we were all quite interested in cultural, creative industries uh, in general and in, you know, startups and tech, but none of us had experience with publishing. And actually my co-founder Ricardo is the first one of us that's published a book. He published a book like a few months ago about how to market a book, basically. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, what is REIT in action and then, and then we would like to hear, uh, I mm -hmm. guess, how did you, how did you get the idea, especially because usually the story is that like, oh, I work in this industry and then I notice a problem. Mm -hmm. So yeah, tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, what is REIT just in a nutshell? And then if you can tell how, how did you come across the idea, that would be lovely. Yeah, so very briefly, uh, we basically help authors publish their book. So most authors we work with will look to self-publish their book, but we also help people who want to work with a publisher. We help them publish their manuscripts before they submit to agents and publishers. Uh, mm -hmm. So the main product is a marketplace where you can find a created community of professionals you know, who have experience working with uh, some of the best publishers and on best-selling titles. Uh, so if you're looking for an editor, a designer, proofreader, illustrator, etc., mm -hmm. those professionals, those top professionals will be available on Readsy. Uh, so that was the initial idea. It came from learning about the space, basically getting a Kindle, realizing that the fact that distribution was changing so much uh, yeah. was going to impact the rest of the value chain. And just as a business model, the creativity, the freedom and the business model of self-publishing felt very interesting. Mm -hmm. And so quickly we thought about, okay, how, how can we support this industry so people can self-publish in a professional fashion, even though we now we help all types of authors. So, yeah. And okay. so as we developed, so we started with the marketplace and as we developed, uh, and I think we'll talk about it later, but we realized that most people were quite lost with the whole process of publishing a book. So we started uh -huh. developing content, educational material and tools. Uh, we have a whole set of tools that's available for people to learn about writing craft and slowly, you know, get familiar with the, the, the whole journey, the whole publishing journey. Yeah, let's, let's, let's leave that until a little bit later, because I would like to. So were you all roughly same age? So three of us were still at university, two of us in business schools. Once our, our designer, Matt, was studying architecture, actually. Uh, okay, but it turned yeah. out he could, he could make buildings and design websites. Yeah. Uh, so, and um, yeah, and our CTO, Vincent, had more experience uh, building product, is slightly older. But yeah. Yeah. So yeah, because I, I'm really interested in like, how did you get about, like, how did you build the very first product for example so because you're not mm -hmm. from that industry so you don't really have a you know often the idea gets sort of pre-validated over many years so how did you like how did you validate the idea in a way and, and what mm -hmm. was the first version that you built yeah so you know there's different ways of like you know looking at a market you can be like the market doesn't know what it needs but i'm pretty convinced in a very autistic fashion uh you know that you know this is what the market needs and so you build mm -hmm. it and you see what happens or you can just like run surveys and like try to validate your idea for you know in a, in a very like um 
you know, marketing driven uh, way. And so we kind of went, went like more, you know, the product way, like, you know, we feel like there's a product that's missing that could help support this industry. Let's see whether, whether that could work. So, but we did, we, we did do a bunch of interviews. We did talk to a lot of people in the industry. We, yeah. we were trying to get a sense of, you know, whether we went to something that was actually missing. And so initially a lot of people telling us, you know, I'm not sure we really need this or that company tried and they failed, yeah. uh, you know, and so, so obviously, you know, in the beginning, there's a lot of stuff to verify, uh, before you can get some sort of like product market fit. But yeah, for us, that was more, it felt like it's needed. Let's try and see. Yeah. And so what was the first, did you build it from scratch? Like you mentioned you had a CTO, so did he just code it from scratch or did you use like WordPress or something? Yeah, so CTO, I mean, he's a full, he's a, he was, a, I mean, he is a full stack developer, but he's mm -hmm. more of a back end developer. So the first version of the site had like the whole front end, the whole CSS in a single file. It was kind of like a weird thing, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it worked. So it was enough to raise a bit of money and get a little bit of traction. And so, yeah, Matt and I started, uh, Matt, who's our designer, started designing the product, started thinking about it. And the very first iteration of the product was basically the profiles of the professionals who would, you know, at some point join the, the site. And yeah. we used uh, those profiles to basically showcase some really great professionals uh, who were kind of like our early adopters and willing to kind of like, you know, have a, have a go at it and see what would happen. And so yeah. one of the first people we had on the site was Stephen King's, uh, one of Stephen King's uh, designers and so his work was truly amazing and so um, a lot of surrealistic kind of like style work as well in his portfolio yeah and so um, we, we were using that profile over and over and over and over again uh, to show the quality of like the professionals who were available on Reedsy. yeah and so that allowed us to get our first customers basically and so in the very beginning we were only charging on one side of the marketplace and then slowly as we were able to provide more value, we started charging on the other. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So two things about that, actually, maybe the first one is like, how did you get even the first people on board, like from the, from the professional side? So we started with designers because like the visual aspect, you know, it was, it's easier to sell something when there's like a, something visually compelling. Yeah. And so we started looking for like, you know, top designers who'd worked on best-selling books, very famous books. So really those profiles helped, you know, uh, get us running, you know, a lot. And so we just reached out. And so, you know, you reach out to a hundred people and you're going to find like those early adopters who are just curious about it, mm -hmm. who might have thought about, who might have had the idea actually for the, for the product, but, you know, did it never developed it. Uh, so they're like, yeah, I thought about it. I thought that was needed. Okay, I'm happy to sign up and create a profile. And so yeah. And so early on, uh, so that's mostly designers, but from the very start, did you have multiple like categories of providers yeah. on there? Or we had two categories, we had editing and design, which remain yeah. our top services, basically, uh, today, we do we provide a bunch of editorial services. So from Editor assessments, developmental editing, copy editing, proofreading, indexing, etc. Yeah. And so, and for design, that was like cover design, book interior design, typography, and illustrations. And so, yeah, those services were like the initial services we started with. And then slowly afterwards, as we saw, you know, a need, uh, we added more. 
Yeah, because of course it's. I guess it's mostly digital, right? Because often I ask the question, like, um, you know, did you constrain in any way? So basically, we just established that you had two categories, which you kind of need for a book, right? Like, someone's need to put the content in there, then you need someone to edit it, and then you need some nice wrap around it, and then basically that's the minimum thing you need for a book. But did you in any other way like constrain the marketplace? For example, on the other side, like how did you get the first customers on board? Like, did you do that like country by country, for example? Yeah, so we quickly realized that, you know, uh, so we're only doing it in English to begin with. Yeah. Uh, and we quickly realized that the US was going to be, you know, for us the largest market by far. Um, mm-hmm. So there weren't too many constraints, uh, English speaking people, that was it. Actually, we had one constraint because when we started Stripe, for mo- like Stripe, the, the payment service provider that we use was, uh, so the product is called uh, Stripe Connect, which is a product for mo- to build marketplaces. The payment system for third parties was only available in a limited number of countries. So we did have some limitations because of Stripe. And initially, because Stripe was so new, a lot of people were pissed that we weren't using uh, PayPal. But, you know, after a while, it's it's decided to work. Took a few years, actually. We got complaints a lot of yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember, like, we have in our, like, in ShareDrop, in our ShareDrop products, we also use it. And I remember that it was initially, like, I think the English-speaking countries and then several uh, Western yeah. European countries. And it has, but it has, I mean, it has scaled quite fast yeah. over the last couple of years. Yeah, and so actually, and coming back to that earlier point where you mentioned something about you were only charging one side of the of the marketplace. So actually, so which side were you charging? We started with the supply side. Uh, so okay. initially, so people providing services to authors. And then after three or four months, we added the demand side. We wanted to make sure we're providing enough value to, the, to both sides to have yeah. charging. But we charged from day one. We were never free or whatever. Do you remember what was like the first, very first transaction, very first book? The very first book. So I think actually, I think it was an Australian editor that worked on a book about, what was it, Vikings or something like that. Something a little, some, something kind of funny and random. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, so yeah, that was the that first was project. It, yeah. And actually it was a much larger amount than we expected. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, so earlier we established that you basically used, let's call it like direct sales to acquire the supply side. What were some of the first uh, tactics or strategies you used to acquire the demand side? So fairly early on, I think we, so we basically did like, I guess what most companies do, like when they're starting out or anyone looking to sell a product and find an audience, we listed a bunch of channels and a bunch of ideas that would potentially allow us to uh, reach our target market, uh, and fairly early on, I think we we knew that uh, content marketing was going to be something you know that would make sense for us. Though in the first, I guess, like in the first maybe couple of years, we were producing content that wasn't really like you know doing you know what we wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't really have a sense of like you know how SEO worked back. You know, I, I did SEO when I was at university, you know, like uh, in the first few years and like it was just so easy to trick Google and to, you know, to rank for anything and make money out of it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, over the years, like Google became like a lot smarter. So just you couldn't just produce any sort of content and, you know, and get it to rank anymore. So the first couple of years we were doing a bit, a bit of everything. I would say we were doing some we were running some ads. We were like doing some content. We we're doing some webinars. We we're doing like in-person meetings and events, <laughs> yeah. uh, which, you know, Imagine uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> back then that was crazy. And so, yeah. And after two, three years, we started getting people on the team who were really, really strong at content and SEO. And we, and, and we've become like some sort of like, uh, you know, 
a content machine in a way. Uh, so yeah, yeah, so we so we've become really really good at producing content. We're always trying to take content to the next level whenever we can actually even build a product uh, instead of just having a blog post. We'll do it basically. And so yeah, so it took uh, just like some some learning, I would say. But yeah, we have an audience of authors. People who like to read and consume you know, written content. So for the most part, having a blog and producing content, we also have a YouTube channel that's grown really, really fast in the past few years, uh, where we cover anything from, you know, writing craft to, you know, uh, publishing, distribution, marketing, etc. Yeah. And so, yeah, so all those channels, all those content related channels uh, have led to like, you know, well, today there's, I would maybe like 2.5 million people coming to the site every month. Uh, and oh, wow. that's pretty much, you know, purely organically. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. When you say like, if we can turn it into a product, we will. Could you give an example? What, what do you mean with that? Mm -hmm. So for instance, so if you Google writing prompts, you will find like Readsy as like the number one, uh, in, as the number one result. And okay. the, the initially, uh, for quite a while, like, you know, people were Googling, you know, writing prompts and we were giving them a you know, a list of prompts. And at some point we decided to introduce some sort of contest, uh, writing prompts contest. So every week now we have like a new series of prompts on a different topic every week. And yeah. so people can submit a short story and there's a whole, we've built actually an entire community out of it instead of just having a blog post that or just like a directory that, that would list prompts. It's a whole community and people can submit stories and we, we even have judges reviewing them and finding like the, you know, the winners every week. And so that that's just an example, but we've done that for a bunch of keywords. Um, so we've created a bunch of tools. Uh, we have like a book title generator, character name generator, uh, anyway, a bunch of different generators yeah. and a bunch of di different directories that aren't just like basic blog posts. Uh, no. we, sometimes we start with a basic blog post and if we, if we get, or even if we don't like get the traction that we look for, we try to develop something even more advanced, basically. Yeah, no, that sounds cool. Yeah, I was gonna, because now while you were talking about this, I was thinking like, oh, there must be a heavy community around this. Like if you, if you know about like writers and people like to share and like people, like there's many of these sort of creative like endeavors that automatically sort of generate community. Have you done, so, so this was a great example of that. Have you done any other things to sort of, let's say like seed the community, like improve it? So yeah, so we have like a whole like platform called Readsy Learning. Uh, that's basically a series of online courses. Uh, right now, they email courses, but there will be a, a new version of that product coming up in the coming months. Okay. Um, and so basically, you can take free courses that you know over a period of ten days, you get an email every day uh, to cover you know whatever whatever it is that you might be doing. How to write a mm -hmm. romance book, how to write sci-fi, how to write fantasy. We have a bunch of different courses how to create a cookbook, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so yeah. it's just a different way of like, you know, sharing our content with our audience uh, because some people want to read a blog post, some people want to, you know, get an email in the morning while they're getting coffee and the croissant. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so there's like, uh, we're giving people different ways of learning about the whole process basically. Yeah, that is cool. That is really cool. So we also added uh, a few other tools that I think are, really worth uh, mentioning. So we have a tool that we call the Readsy Book Editor. The name might be a bit confusing, but it's basically a book production tool that has some of the collaborative features of a Google Docs, but allows you to export your book as a PDF or an EPUB that you need, the, the files that you basically need for distributing your book. Yeah. Uh, and so that tool is really amazing. It's a really, a really elegant, really light, you know, uh, interface where you can just like, you know, 
through your thoughts, uh, structure your story, uh, and it will will be adding more outlining features and uh, in the coming months as well. So really great to you know throw your ideas until the point where you're ready, you know, to download the files that you need for Amazon or you know other retailers basically. Does it uh, then straight come into the format that you need for Amazon, for example? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, it okay. works with all online retailers for both physical and digital. Wow, I should have known about this earlier. Like at, at Chair Drive, we have also uh, we also published a book. Uh, I think two years ago, maybe longer actually. Time is a little bit of a vague concept yeah. ever since the pandemic, but uh, called Delian Marketplace, and we published it ourselves through. Amazon, and I was the main responsible for that project, and I remember that it was uh, quite a headache. Uh, certain steps and formatting, etc. Yeah, so. it's essentially like that was a pain point for like you know too many authors. Well, like some people would spend quite a lot of money on you know editing their book, and mm -hmm. then they wouldn't put any efforts into uh, you know the formatting of it. And so you know it it's not just the text, you know it's the whole thing that matters. And so um and so it was kind of frustrating. So essentially the tool, you can throw anything at the tool, it will give you something that looks really great. So you don't have to learn, you don't have to learn in design, you don't have to learn about how to design a book, you don't have to think about it, we're removing that, you know, don't think about it, just give it to it. <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I saw on the on the site that you have something like more than 2000 editors right now, and thousands of other like professionals, like you mentioned earlier on. One thing that I've always like also learned through the podcast and talking to many marketplace entrepreneurs, is like the importance of quality of the supply side specifically of the service. So how do you maintain the quality? How, how do you check it anyway before like at the beginning? And how do you maintain it? Actually, it's something that didn't help us in the very beginning, but truly helped us in the long in the long run. Uh, so initially, you know, the first few people, you know, who applied, those people we, you know, we we talked about it, but we reached out to some really great professionals initially, and we found a few early adopters. But then, mm -hmm. as we, you know, started to grow, more and more people applied, and uh, a lot of people got rejected and got really pissed. And so you'd have like, you know really nasty comments on a bunch of different forums and everything. And so, okay. you know, when you're just starting, you're taking all that negative feedback and stuff, you're like, what the hell? But like, we, we stuck with it and we're like, it doesn't matter if those people are unhappy. Like, we think mm -hmm. we need this type of professionals with this level of experience, et cetera, to provide services with us. So it doesn't really matter if some people are angry or upset or whatever, we'll just stick with it. And so, so that's why even though, you know, we've been running for seven years, but there's only, in a way, 3,000 people providing services with us. It's because okay. we only want the very best. And so for most services, uh, we get like a lot of information about, like, you know, uh, work experience and all the different books that people have worked on. Mm -hmm. And so we double check that they've actually worked on, you know, the books that they mentioned. We take a look at the books and their reviews. We look at the, the work experience. So yeah, so we have like different things that allow us to, mm -hmm. to vet in some cases, for instance, for marketing, we it's quite hard in this industry to find really talented book marketers or people who are really knowledgeable about this niche. Yeah. Uh, and so we actually interview them. So so the process depend uh, varies a lot depending on the on the service. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned uh, earlier what we said that if, you know your very first transaction. You said it was more than you expected, which always like leads me to the question. And I think that's the fear, especially of early marketplace founders, like disintermediation. How do you make sure that the transaction actually happens yeah. online so you can get yeah. what you are owed? 
Mm -hmm. So we might be an exception in the sense that like, even though we've grown and we attract quite a lot of people to the site every month, we still have that like tight community of, pro of professionals providing services with us. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them find a lot of really interesting projects through us. And so it's like a source of interesting projects that they don't really want to lose. So it's not in their interest to actually risk it. Uh, but apart from yeah. that, one thing you do is you make it you build all the tools that might be needed to make the transaction, the whole process, the whole collaboration as smooth as possible. Um, yeah. And so we're always developing more tools, uh, basically for professionals, so they don't have to think too much about anything. Just one sim simple thing, but like the whole, just the process of contracting, uh, creating a contract, getting it signed, all that mm -hmm. stuff, you know, it's it's a few clicks on Readsy, and so it gives you some peace of mind, essentially, providing some sort of guarantees that, you know, if things go wrong, there will be a party in the middle that will try to mediate and everything, and yeah. that will try to come to some sort of fair agreement. And so all that support, essentially, uh, plus hopefully some quality projects leads to people, you know, hopefully not disintimidating too much. It's always a risk. It's definitely yeah. always happening. But yeah, you try to limit it by just providing tools that are so good that people don't want to go anywhere else to do the thing. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, I'm not even sure. I mean, like I've talked to so many people about this. I'm not even sure whether you are the exception. I think this might also be one of these things that, especially like early marketplace founders are just, what's the word, like disproportionately worried about. But like... Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, human beings aren't all nice, you know, and so, you know, as soon as they can try and sure. save a bit of money, uh, it doesn't matter too much to them whether, you know, someone put a lot of effort into building a nice product and, you know, is actually mm. marketing it to find them customers. Some people really don't care about that. Some people are really like, the dad. No, of course. I, <laughs> and so, yeah, no, and of so, course. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I mean, I don't mean to say that it never happens, but I think it's maybe less of a problem than it really is. Like uh... I'd say there's like a minimum like number of like tools that must be on the site. Otherwise, yeah. that will happen. Uh, you, you, there's like, a, yeah, if you don't make contracting easy enough, like, you know, mm. yeah, people will go elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like maybe not even tools, right? Like it's more about like the value that you provide with it, right? Like basically so that what, whatever is the transaction or the commission that you take somehow is in relation to to the value that you're providing. And tools is a really great way of doing that, of course. And like you said, also, I think you mentioned something mm -hmm. like some kind of, well, the, the contracting, it's kind of like, um, same as what Airbnb had when they started adding insurance, right? Like some kind of security safety that you build in. So now that yeah. makes a lot of sense. And, and of course, also, I don't know, how, of course, how many people write a lot of books, but like the repeat usage, it's maybe a little bit lower than when with some other services, I can imagine. Exactly, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and so let's move a little bit into the transaction part, just a couple of, or I don't know how many questions I'll have about that, but you mentioned initially you charged one side. I From that, I sort of deduct that now you're charging both sides. Yeah, we do something that's very similar to what most marketplaces do. Our fee, our fees basically are shared between both sides just because we think we provide a service to both. So that's why we think yeah. it, it makes sense. Uh, we take basically a 10% commission from both sides. So if an editor comes to you and says, I don't know, like uh, to copy edit, your, copy edit your book, it will be $1,000. The, the actual price to the client will be 1100 and yeah. the payout to the freelancer will be 900 Okay. No, no, no. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, is there any other, do you have any other revenue models? Like we have so many tools, like do you charge a subscription for those, for example? 
No, so on on the marketplace, which is you know our main product, that's the only you know revenue we're getting out of it. Uh-huh. Uh, we do have another product that we released like a, a couple of years ago, which we call Readzy Discovery, which is a place for authors to get their book reviewed ahead of the launch. So to get right. some basically early you know early reviews that they can use as like marketing material for Amazon and you know other retailers, their own yeah. site, etc. And so that one we we charge only fifty dollars per, re, per per review, basically. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean I could imagine that, that there might be opportunity to also maybe start charging for the subscription. Like the you know the more advanced these editing tools get, it, it's a trend that you see with some other marketplaces. This sort of yes. like a mm-hmm. SaaS enabled marketplace. I mean, I'm I'm sure your users might not be happy about this suggestion, but like yeah, no, you might I mean, have like, it. Um, yeah, there's like uh, the marketplace itself. We're definitely not going to add anything to it. I mean, at least for the foreseeable future, future. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't think that will change. Yeah, we have some additional tools we want to add to our production tool that maybe we'll charge for. But you know, I think overall that's a business model that's worked uh, quite well for us. And yeah, yeah, there's no there's no reason to do anything else. Yeah. Speaking of the future, what's in store for the future of Reedsy? Yeah, I mean, there's always more products uh, we want to build and develop. The product, the main product, the marketplace uh, that we have uh, today, so we August 2021, is being fully redesigned and uh, the front end is being fully rebuilt. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, there's like still all the stuff that back in 2014 when we were kids, uh, we thought, you know, would be useful to people. And yeah. so we've, we, we know precisely, you know, which features are needed and, you know, and what should be in the product now. So there's going to be a, you know, brand new interface, hopefully super intuitive, uh, super fast. So we're fully rebuilding this. We, as I mentioned a little bit uh, earlier, uh, our learning platform is being redeveloped as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So we want to take learning to the next level, basically, for a number of reasons. But yeah, we want just better quality books on the site. And also we, we're working on training more editors because like as we've grown, you know, uh, we've been like, okay, this is really great, but the, there's not that many really talented editors available on the market and simple yeah. marketers and other verticals. And so we're working on basically, you know, some sort of university uh, to train everybody. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So that's one of the things we're doing. And yeah, and there's a few other products. One really cool product that we'll be adding as well is, as I mentioned, about, as part of our book production tool, there will be some outlining features, which hopefully will be more intuitive than everything that's currently on the market. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of authors use Scrivener and like other tools you might have heard about it, yeah. which we don't think are that great. Uh, so we've been like thinking about a bunch of different features for that. So hopefully there will be more educational and more tools to support authors basically uh, on Reedsy in the coming uh, months and years. Yeah. Great. Hey, as a last question for this uh, episode, is there anything you would have done differently and or any tips you would have for starting marketplace founders? A lot of people listening to this will be like very early on. Any lesson you want to give them? I don't know. Like it really depends like, you know, where you're coming from. Uh, for us, like we thought we knew stuff didn't know that much uh like as i said you know we're straight fresh out of universities <laughs> uh so so yeah so uh, the market uh, today is extremely different from the market when we started in 2014 we were raising a seed round of 500k and that was already a very nice seed round mm-hmm. you know today you raise a few millions on an idea so essentially it's like a totally different environment and ecosystem you don't have to take any money we had to because we were just like we didn't have much in the bank account uh, no. 
But, you know, building a product is so cheap these days that, you know, if you have some, a little bit of funding, a little bit of money on the side, you don't even need to take all those millions that are available to you. And you can have that no. freedom of building your business independently and the way you like. And so it's actually something that we've kind of changed over time. We thought we were going to go for one round and then the other and then the other and then the other. Uh-huh. And in a way, we were kind of lucky that we, we almost raised the Series A and then we turned down like the term sheets that we had because uh, we were seeing some really strong growth and we were like, okay, maybe there's a way to keep building this in a more independent fashion. And so I think, you know, like uh, starting a company, it's a little bit like, you know, people go to school and they want to get to the next year and the next year and the next year and the next year. And so when you start a company, you know, like the next step is the next funding round, like in 18, yeah. 12 or 18 months. And yeah. there's that, that's that model that's really like, you know, present in everybody's you know head. But that's all made up, you know, like I just, you know, there's just people who want to put money into your company. So you make them more money. Uh, yeah. also, also, you make more money to Facebook and Google. And but you don't have to do that. You know, like no. uh, you, maybe you can raise a bit of money in the beginning if you needed to kickstart the whole business. But for a bunch of industries, a bunch of niches, it's not needed. Uh, and yeah. so and so I would say. It's not that I would do it differently, but it's something that we've realized over time that we didn't need all those millions to build something that impacts people in a very positive way and that scale. And yeah, I would say that's something that we learned. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a fantastic, fantastic. I mean, I couldn't subscribe to that more. Like at Sierra Trap also, we we moved our company from an originally like tra- more traditionally VC funded model to uh, what is called a steward owned model, where mm-hmm. basically only employees can have shares with voting rights. And we did a sort of crowd investment round, which we raised like 1.2 million, I believe. And then we bought out for a part the original investors. And now we're also like a, a self-funded company, full autonomy, yeah. uh, because we have a bigger mission than indeed like moving from round to round and then going for an exit and then, well, yeah. whatever, like yeah. <laughs> abandoning yeah. ship. Yeah. And I agree that that's like the dominant model that you see in all the press, tech crunch, especially in the startup scene, as if that is the only method of financing. So I think that's a great lesson to bring out that, that are, there's more available. And I think like it's my current battle, but like, uh, you know, when you see like the types of businesses that VCs fund, like actually, like it depends on the VCs, obviously, but a mm. lot of VCs like truly put me off, like, you know, uh, these days, you know, like all that money p- pulled into like uh, all those food delivery companies, uh, you know, yeah. creating like, uh, I don't know, like developing laziness. And like, uh, I think I read an article, what was it? like a society of uh, servants basically all those people you know on the scooters like you know you know yeah. bringing you your food and stuff like all that crap all those billions you know like do you really want to work with those people i don't know does yeah. it make sense does it does it work with your values uh yeah. Yeah. Anyway. No, I think that's like, and I agree, like that's something that not, I mean, you have so much to think about early on that it's not, not something you immediately realize. And especially if you come from outside, that seems to be the, the, the dominating model, like you said. And of course, like it works for like, the, there are lots of industries or businesses where, yeah, it is required. Like if you do some big tech or deep tech, which just like, yeah. which yeah. just need a lot of capital upfront, then yeah, then maybe that's the way, but it's not a, it's not the only way. I, I, I totally agree. So yeah, let's end on that. Let's hope that that reaches some ears uh, in the future. Thanks a lot, Emmanuel. Thanks for your time and all the best to Ritzy. Thank you very much. I'll speak later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Two-Sided, the Marketplace podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe. If you listen on iTunes, we'd also love for you to rate and give us a review. 
If you got inspired to build your own marketplace, go visit www.sharetribe.com. It's the fastest way to build a successful online marketplace business. Until next time.